effort of those that voted down tonight? Um, we're going to try to keep it, things moving so they're not going up in the dark. But Brother Steve, is he he's on the river? You may have just to give a signal, and if it gets long here tonight, you get up and go up. So, no, we'll be all right. But uh, we had a, a, a decent time of praying upstairs before the meeting. Elders did, and just listening to the people, to the prayers, you know, like. If you started praying for anybody here, it's like the Lord would show you something or you would put something on your heart to uh, that probably pretty accurate about where they could use prayer, something they're, they're going through. You look around, there's hardly anybody that's exempt from, um, I mean, how does God know what every one of us needs? Just how's he able to, furnish those things and, and deal with hearts the way he does. Only God could do that. And when you, when you, you know, you're being dealt with, um, it, it's easy to feel somewhat isolated. You know, we've had a lot from Job. It felt like a target. And, um, but, you know, the term comes, the phrase alone, but not alone. Like he knows, he knows what he's doing. But Job, had to say, I go forward, he is not there, and backward, I cannot perceive him. Anybody there? On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, he hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And I think... Uh, there are times when that has to be sufficient. That's all we, that's all we get. Just the assurance. No other evidence. Can't see him, can't feel him. It's like you, we're looking for him in a certain fashion, certain way to show up, certain mode of operation that, that would give us satisfaction of knowing that he heard my prayer, he answered me like this. But no, not, he can, and we welcome that. But there are times when it has to be enough for us to know that he knows what he's doing. He, he knows the way that I take. Right? It says he, he judges with his eyelids. Like, may appear that he is sleeping at the wheel. Like, does he really see what's going on? in my life or with he does so are you thankful for that tonight it says in deuteronomy 2 i believe when moses is recalling what was going on there it says he knew they're trudging through the wilderness those 40 years like he knew it he kept account of it talk about long suffering he 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 followed them he tracked he tracked them for 40 years I mean, we got some pretty stout hunters here, but I don't know if they have it in them to track somebody for 40 years like he did through the wilderness. They're wondering, like, my word. He kept track of it. He's keeping track of us tonight. So, Lord, we thank you for that. 
And let's approach him tonight with that assurance and that, and that confidence. He knows the way we take. Together. Good evening. Lord, we do look to you for your word to declare. Lord, we look to you for every dimly burning wick in the house, Lord God, that you could refresh the flame and kindle it afresh and make it burn bright. Lord God, your word is amazing. Help us with it, in Jesus' name. Um, I've been thinking about this a long time, since before you came. Uh, Richard, I don't know if you even remember this, it was that long ago. It was in June, I think, you talked about Appomattox and the surrender. Um, this was sparked it in the first place. Uh, because I was reading a book that happens to have that very story in it. Um, right at the time you brought the word. Um, the title of the book is The Dream King. The Dream King. Um, not, the word king there is a reference to Martin Luther King. Um, and it's about the civil rights movement and a black man and a white man who were friends and then discovered their history, family histories, that is. Um, the black man, Will Ford, his ancestors were slaves. One of his ancestors was beaten to death for daring to pray. Slave owners didn't want him praying. They were pretty sure their slaves were praying for freedom. turned out the white man's ancestors was the guy that did the beating. Now they didn't know any of that when they met each other and they were friends. And they found out the beginnings of all that right there in Appomattox. The Lockets, that's the white man's family, owned a house at Sailor Creek where that very last battle was fought in the Civil War. And on the one side you had the Confederates, and on the other side, the, um, the North. And in that battle, there were wounded troops on both sides. And the owner of the house at that time was actually a traveling minister. And his daughters, the white man's ancestors also, treated soldiers on both sides from that fight. Um, so that's the tie into what Richard was talking about. But Richard was talking about surrender and to tie it even, even further, we have dreams. Everybody here has a dream. If you don't mind, I'll be quiet here for just a minute and I'd like you to actually write some of your dreams down at least one, one thing you'd like to see, one thing you believe that 
would really make your day. It says in Job 33, while you're writing, you don't have to stop just because I started talking again. Uh, but you want to remember this verse out of Job. We've read it a lot of times. For God speaks once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, slumberings upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. And just last Saturday, Brother Bill was talking to us about the fact that God's out to stain the pride of men. And you know, God has a dream. It's a dream of his manifested sons in the earth, and a new heavens, and a new earth. Not an old one fixed up. And um, and in a dream, in a vision of night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon, uh, slumberings upon the bed, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Now in 1 Samuel 3, you can go there actually. And I don't know my Bible because I write enough of it down here. Uh, 1 Samuel 3 is of course, the story from which we drew the theme this year. Um, but I want to begin with verse 1 there. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And I would submit to you that is still the case, actually. For most of the church at large, there is no open vision. They have no idea what God is doing. Oh, they have outlines, shadows, images, if you were. Perhaps you might even want to call them idols. And I think we do have them here, too, the images and the idols. The dreams that we have that we think are the best. I've had some of my best dreams thoroughly squashed since I've lived here. Because anybody was out to get me. God was just showing me that he had a better idea. And some of that happened in dreams in the night. Some of that happened in conversations with some of you. Okay. 
And I don't know how God is going to actually um, wrap up that dream of his, which is clear in Revelation 22. Very clear. New heavens, new earth, manifested sons, no unhappiness, no sorrow, no war, no black and white problems, no male and female problems. No husband and wife problems. And the Lord hasten the day. Not because my wife has a problem, but it could be better. Always could be better. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And there the lamp of the Lord went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, here am I. And later, the third time around, when Eli finally realized it was probably the Lord talking to Samuel, he said, Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And you know, the servants do hear. They're the only ones that do. And what I really want to talk, talk about tonight um, is this open vision. Because I think we can have open vision. I think we can have open ears, but the refrain in Revelation 3 and 4 over and over again is, he who has an ear, let him hear. Well, I don't know anybody in the room that doesn't have two. Do you? Know anybody that doesn't have two ears? Obviously not. So what does that mean? Not everybody that hears, hears. And not everything you see is real. You know, I teach science classes, and since this is chemistry for me, when I say science classes, we talk a lot about these little teeny things. Called atoms. That nobody, but nobody, will ever see. You try and convince any modern scientist that they're not there. Good luck. You will fail. They have faith in the evidence of things not seen. There is evidence. Things which our hands have handled. Things which our eyes have seen. Things which our ears have heard. Of the, and the word of life it says in 1 John. I better read it so I say it right. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, are the words of life. These are real things, and it's real evidence. And it's a constant war to remember it. I can remember very well what I heard from students today in class. Hopefully they can remember fairly well some of the things I said to them. Um, 
But the truth is, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the word of life. <coughs> and where does that come from? Thus says the Lord of hosts, this is in Jeremiah 40, 23, verse 16. If you want to write it down, some of these would be worth going back and reading again and meditating upon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain, proud. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, that's not a good thing, walking after the imagination of your own heart, no evil shall come upon you. For who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord and hath perceived and heard his word, who hath marked his word and heard it, We used to prophesy a lot when we were young in the walk. Some of us are old enough to really remember that. Oh, and we were loud. We were full of vigor, <laughs> full of zeal. And at the time, I was pretty sure it was the zeal of the Lord of hosts. And I still kind of think it probably was, actually. It sure burned in my heart when I was a young man. And God wanted all that energy to go somewhere. Instead of the places where it probably wasn't supposed to go. Not that it didn't get there too. But honestly, we're such a mixed bag of, of a soul. And there's so much stuff in there that is unholy. And then there's all the holy stuff. If you're born again and you've made any attempt at all to seek the Lord, He is faithful and there's holy things in you. There's a holy seed in you. And I don't care how far you run. I don't care how vigorously you want to deny the holy seed. You aren't going to get away from it. God is faithful. And his vision is going to go all the way to the end. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 51. The beginning of John is really good. Those first 12, 15 verses in John chapter 1, you should memorize. Um, okay. But this is the last chapter of the verse, of chapter 1. Last verse of chapter 1. Uh, and he's talking to Nathaniel. On the day he called Nathaniel, so Nathaniel's barely been born again, so to speak. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter, ye shall see heaven open. 
You've been born again. You shall see heaven open. Stephen, when he was stoned, saw heaven open. It's an open heaven to us. There is open vision for us. We simply have to go and get it. <coughs> simply. There's the slight element of desire there. What do you want to do with your time? Where do you want to spend it? What is it you meditate upon? How do you start your day? How do you start today? If today wasn't so hot, tomorrow's another one. If you seek him early, it says, you'll find him. And the word is really clear here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, thereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And of course, you are him. He was talking to Nathaniel. He wasn't talking about himself. Um... Let's go to Numbers chapter 24. This is part of the story of Balaam. To rehearse the first part of it for anybody who isn't totally familiar with it, which might be some of our younger children. Um, Balaam was a prophet. He was, in fact, a prophet of the Lord. And the enemy, I forget who the enemy actually was at the time, uh, a guy named Balak is the king of the enemy, but who is, who is he working for? <laughs> um, I don't remember. It was one of the Philistine, Hittite, Canaanite type people. But anyway, uh, so Balak was the king of the bad guys. Balaam was a prophet of the Lord. Balak wanted to hire Balaam. to curse Israel. And of course, you know the story. They almost opened to get it hired. What? A prophet? A real prophet of the Lord open to getting hired? Well, apparently. <laughs> Such things happen. And trust me, guys, we've been hired in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's coin. Sometimes it's some other appetite. But we've been hired when we shouldn't have been. And your prophets. Every one of you that's received the Holy Spirit can prophesy. Many of you have. I have. And I am to a certain extent right now. The things I'm talking about are not yet seen. We're talking about an invisible God who we can handle with our hands. That takes faith. And it's not any different than having the faith that you can handle a few atoms with your hands. It's made out of atoms. 
And they're real there, you believe that, right? <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> so anyway, Balaam gets hired and uh, he curses the Lord one time. I'm the people of Israel one time. And Balak hires him again because that didn't go well the first time. For Balak, that is, and his crew. Uh, so he hired Balaam again to repeat the process. And it didn't go well the second time either. So, you know, here comes the third time. I'm in chapter 24 of Numbers. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went at, not as his other times to seek for enchantments. But he set his face towards the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And you know, for all of the stuff that happened before, the donkey that was ignored. The obvious misrepresentation of what God was saying. The cursing of God's people. Balaam apparently turned. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not as at other times to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam, the son of Beor, hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance and having his eyes open. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. And read the blessing, it's marvelous. And Balak's anger in verse 10 was kindled against Balaam. That's a homework assignment, by the way. Go ahead and read that. It is marvelous what Balaam had to say about Israel under the anointing. I'm going to read the second one. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto, ba unto Balaam, I called thee to curse thine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee thou to the place I thought to promote thee unto great honor. But lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, Spake I not to thy messenger, saying, which thou sentest unto me, saying, if Balak would give me houses full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord to do either good or bad of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. That's what you call courage, one. And two, for all the bad stuff that happened before, there was still something in there. And God brought it to life, a dimly burning wick. And God blew on it. And now, behold, I go unto my people. Come, therefore, I will advertise thee what this people will do with the, do in the latter days. And he took up his parable and said, 
Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said, he has said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now he's talking about Christ. And shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. And he's not talking about Moab or Sheth. He's talking about the crud that's out there. And Edom shall be a possession, and Seir shall also be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. For out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of nations, but his latter end shall be that he shall perish forever. Amalek, type of the flesh. It doesn't look that way. My flesh... It's still my flesh. I go to lift things that were easy to lift once upon a time and they're not so easy to lift. But for all of that, God is promising that he will make it go away forever. And you can read the rest of it. You have to spend a lot of time on typing shadows there if you want to get the full benefit of it. It's worth it, just for the record. Types and shadows aren't all dead. In fact, none of them actually went away out of the Bible as far as I know. <laughs> The um, next place I want to go to, I think, is, uh, yeah, and I think I will probably be finishing here. Well, I want to say one thing about Martin Luther King, because, um, you know, the guy was a Baptist minister. And God did actually use him. And he's a contemporary of me in some ways. I was a teenager and very much full of righteous indignation for the social injustices of my era, which have only gotten worse, by the way. <laughs> Despite Martin Luther King's best efforts. Um, but he said something in the speech that's called his dream. I have a dream, is what Martin Luther King titled it. I'd read it all, but we won't for the sake of time. The one line I do want to read, two lines I want to read is, one, as we walk, we must take the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. Frame your life that way. You must always march ahead. You cannot turn back. I love the language. 
he had a speech written, he threw it away. This is uh, extemp. For those of you who study speech, this is quite an extemp. <laughs> anyway, um, what was the other line here? Uh, oh, on the other side. Okay. We cannot walk alone. You know, when I was slightly older than that, um, I worked in New York City for a while as a social worker on the behalf of the Lutheran Church um, in a rather poor neighborhood of town that was a mix of blacks, Puerto Ricans, Chinese, and white people. And they had their buildings, projects they called them, because everybody in the neighborhood was poor, and these were government projects. And anybody could have rented a room in any building, but of course the black people went to one building, the Puerto Ricans went to a different building, and the, this is the way of it. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm a white man. And I was alone. foolishly walking the streets of Greenpoint, New York. <laughs> I didn't know how foolish at the time. I got a few indications along the way, though. Once I had a group of black boys surround me and want my cigarettes, which I happily gave them, not wanting what else they might offer me. <laughs> These are real issues. But you know, political action isn't going to get there. Four years after this speech, Martin Luther King was standing on a balcony, getting ready to deliver another speech. And the bullet took him down. And of course, the guy that fired that bullet thought he was ending the dream. Only to discover a year later that the president disagreed with him and signed into law the Civil Rights Act. Yes, I know history too a little bit. <laughs> okay, I also brushed up on it. Um, but, the, but the bottom line here is that for all of that stuff, it's not the answer. The answer is in us. And not just in us. Because we've got brothers and sisters all over the place we know not of. I mean, these guys here, are part of a very large Christian group in Washington, D.C., and politically very active on the subjects of abortion, and, which does need to be outlawed, but outlawing isn't going to do it. Um, and black and white equality, and Hispanic and white equality, and all that stuff. Um, but they're still brothers. God called them. Uh, he, the one guy, uh, Matt Lockett, has got quite a story of how he got to Washington, D.C. It's an amazing story. Um, <clears throat> but for all of that, we've got a better and higher calling. It's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. And it's a new heavens and a new earth. And then when it comes to pass, 
I suspect God's going to use these vessels. And more besides. And we live in it right now here at Whitestone Farms in 2023. The kingdom is now. Psalms, I saw those heading for close, and I need to get there. It's starting to get dark. Um, Psalm 89. It's a long psalm. Verse 19. I guess I'll start at 18. For the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our King. Then thou speakest in a vision to thy Holy One, and said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. David Brooks. That was an excellent point about might on Saturday. But you're mighty. And not because you can do the CrossFit thing. <laughs> You're mighty. And it's not just Dave Brooks. Because it's Christ in you. He is mighty. And that's what we're talking about here in this song. I have laid upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. God took me out of where I came from. He took Steve Seeger out of where he came from. He took... I'll remember your name in a minute. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh, anyway. Every one of us, he yanked us out of wherever we came from. And some of us were born here. Many of us were born here. And have lived here all our lives, all your natural life. Doesn't make you less. And you're mighty because of what's in you. You're mighty if you're born again. You're mighty if you're filled with the Spirit of God. You're mighty if your eyes are open to the vision that was opened for you at the moment you received Christ into your heart. I have found David my servant with my holy oil I have anointed him with whom my hand shall be established. Mine arm shall also strengthen him. He's talking about Christ again. The enemy shall not exact upon him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him. I will beat down his foes before his face. Doesn't feel like that. Honest? I want to be honest here. Doesn't feel like that. In fact, I have days when I'm pretty sure the foes are beating me down. A lot of days. Perhaps some hours in every day. I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. I will set his hand also in the sea and his right hand in the rivers. And he shall cry unto me, Thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. That's... One of the best prayers you can pray. I'll read it again. He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore. Here's that immutability thing Bill's been talking to us about the last couple times he preached. All right. 
Selah is where this ends, a few verses down the road here, um, which means meditate on these things. Think about it. My mercy I will keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed will I make to endure forever. I'm in verse 29. In his throne is the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will visit their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with stripes. But verse 33. Renee hit this pretty hard this morning, and I want to hit it again. <clears throat> Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I, in my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him or suffer my faithfulness to fail. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the things that came out from my lips. My grandmother laid her hands on my head and told me I would be greater than Martin Luther. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly true, but Nonetheless, um, you know, God's words, they go out and they do not return void. And the greater than thing, well, who's comparing? We're all equal in his sight. And that's an equality that's not guaranteed by the Constitution of the United States, although the words are there. It was God who created all men equal. It's God who will make all men equal in the end. And all men will in the end stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And all men who have received him, though they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, though they forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, I am so thankful for this. Then will I visit their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. We will be afflicted. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from them, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break or alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Selah. It's a promise. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. You can wind up with a few stripes. I certainly have. 
They're worth it. And if you found yourself in a bad way, turn. He's a faithful father. And he made you mighty in Christ. Amen. clear that you know God has made it so that um, his seed is always gonna break forth and grow and bring forth life and you know throughout the scriptures it's also clear that the word of the king doesn't ever change it's immutable we've talked about that and Balaam discovered that he couldn't go against God's word he couldn't go against his commandment for good or for evil. He had to submit. Uh, eventually, you know, he, he, he learned that the hard way, just like some of us tried several times, to uh, bring something out of something that is never going to produce anything. But let me read you a verse here. <clears throat> just one verse. Uh, I know some of you can have another book to catch home. <laughs> uh, it's in Psalm 119 it says make me to understand the way of thy precepts okay make me to understand the way of thy precepts so shall I talk of thy wondrous works until you and I come to understand the way of God's precepts what, how he does things what he does is not going to be a wondrous work it's going to be Terrible. It's going to be death. It's going to be difficulty. Until we come to a place where we start understanding what he's actually doing in our lives. And then we start realizing that it is a wonderful work. It doesn't feel it. doesn't look like it a lot of times. But when we come to a place where we understand what he's doing in our lives, then we can start seeing that, wow, this is actually... Um, bringing forth the life that he has commanded from the beginning. That's why Balaam couldn't say good or evil against it. Because God had an intention from the very beginning and nothing was ever going to change that. And just like nothing is ever going to change, the word that God has sent out about you and about me. And that's, you know, it's hard for us to believe the truth of that during the process. But it doesn't negate the fact that when God declares it, it's going to be so. It's going to bring forth just what he intended it to be. And we're in the process of being treated, uh, uh, <clears throat> treated by him to bring forth that life that he does intend to bring in you know, the likes of us. So, thank you, Lord, for this evening.